0: We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy.
1: On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice.
0: Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us.
1: Fuel your passion for pharmacy.
0: One conversation at a time. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, and today I'm here with my co-host, Marsha.
1: Hi, I'm your host, Marsha Bivens, Director of Marketing for BinaryX. We are joined by NCPA CEO, Doug Hoey, and also Red Cell CEO, Craig McEwen. Guys, welcome.
2: So Doug, we're running a social experiment. Are you a clean garage freak?
3: Uh, I like my garage to be in order, and so Oops. it's, it's one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: Everything of pure... has a place, and I want it in that place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And,
3: and And crap gets dumped in my garage. It's one of the, we moved from a, a house to another house like 15 years ago, and in that move, I had a little office in the old house, i didn't have an office in the new house so basically i'm a nomad um i i have a bed and i have um but that's basically (laughs) it so my garage is my domain so when people throw their crap in there it it it, i do notice it and i'm like Mm -hmm. throw
0: your crap elsewhere I, I think we should for the podcast. We should show his reaction when you said that because I think in, I, I in know, like slow motion because there was there was a visual. He could have not said a yeah. word and we yeah. knew his answer mm-hmm. from his his the, what his face did when you said Do you like an organized garage. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm a car guy. I love cars. Oh, nice. You are. Oh, I love cars. What's your favorite I mean, I, car? I, you know, I, I like the vintage stuff. Okay. So, okay. yeah, I've Firebirds um Oh, my not dad chimeros, has a what but Firebirds.
1: What what's your favorite year?
3: 68.
1: My dad has a 78 T-top.
3: 78. So I had an 84 in uh high school that I I bought uh working at the pharmacy and selling my baseball cards. Um but uh, <laughs> And
1: you you had so past
3: tense. Well, it's 84, so I yeah, I mean <laughs> <laughs> that, that poor car, by the time I was done with it, it had been in the shop more than it had been on the road. Um, I had some misfortunes as a driver. Uh, firebirds don't get around well on ice and snow, as it turns no out. Yes, <laughs> you would see that. This year.
0: No, yeah. they yeah.
3: don't. Yeah. It took me more than once to figure that out as a 17 and 18-year-old, but um, yeah. I got the
0: message. That'll, so be the, about, get, that'll be the title of today's episode, Firebirds Don't Get Around Well on so,
1: Ice. So, uh <laughs> My mom saved up for a car, and she had the car picked out. And so my dad, my my grandpa, took her money and went and bought the car that she wanted. And it was that '78 Firebird, the T-top, and it used I to be silver. And that's the one they still have today. My dad bought it off my mom, and um, he, he's painted it red. He's already had the engine rebuilt once, um, but yeah, he still has it.
3: Is it a Firebird or a Trans Am? It's a Firebird. Okay, so it doesn't have. It's not the Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. It's the Firebird, which mm-hmm. I actually liked more. The Trans Am over the top was it was a little more over the top. My brother had a '76 Firebird. Yeah. So my old one of my older brothers. So that's another reason I liked him is because he would occasionally let me ride with him, not drive it, of course, but yeah, ride course, with him. Yeah, of course. And as a 13 year old, you know, getting to go to high school. With your senior in high school brother driving his '76 Firebird that he worked from, he earned wow. from working, you know, making money uh, as at the pharmacy. That was a cool thing.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah see it's kind of like
0: kind of oh, like I, I feel, kind of like I feel having a podcast with Doug. See, feel yeah, like a little thirteen-year-old riding to high school with his I big loved, brother.
1: Um, spring and summer times when my dad would take the t-tops off and I'd ride in the back seat when I was little, yeah. little yeah. little.
3: Oh yeah, the things I, we I, did and lived. I think I think Jeff is actually trying to steer the conversation That's to the work. Yes. business, <laughs> business, business. I mean, it was a fairly polite segue, but, but I think let's not talk
0: steering one. in pharmacy. That's that, yeah, yeah. Uh, we see it all the time. We're just people <laughs> the ones that get to do it. For sure. So I, I told them so we're having air conditioner problems here. This is a public service announcement. So if you see beads of sweat rolling down my face, it has nothing to do with the questions that you asked. So. Yeah, so oh. Jeff,
1: Jeff's just menopausal. <laughs> just
0: a just a clarification <laughs> as I start mm. to sweat here. Yeah, do you drink your
3: hot coffee? Um, no, it's, yeah, ice it's ice water. Ice oh, water. Okay.
1: Yeah, and, and I have iced you, tea.
3: You pour it over your head. I won't. I won't take note.
0: Uh, yeah. Or I pour it out. on a rag and rub it around. Then we it, have a fla- and
1: Then it becomes a flash dance podcast. If so I start doing
0: it, <laughs> flash dance. Yeah. Hey, that's a, that's a picture.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> First, yeah, you're, you're amazing. you your own maniac. on that. <laughs> but a slow.
1: All right. So this is our our uh, six month check in. Yeah. With the Grand Pumbaa.
0: And I, know I have a 1000 questions for you but this is your time this today so your, we're going to try to let you
1: This is your This is your podcast. Run with it. You are the host. No, we have
0: to have one in the middle. We have to do one at 3 months where where we ask Doug questions cuz so many cool stuff yeah. going on in his well, yeah. I have got a bunch I'd love to ask Doug today. So, we'll yeah, see. So well, ask us fast Doug cuz you're probably a lot more interesting than we are.
3: Uh well, we'll we'll see about that. Um so, yeah, the, the disclaimer for all of these is that you guys invite me to switch things around and for me to to be the the host um, for your show and uh, anything goes. So if people haven't heard some of these, some of these questions, maybe, you know, as a host, you may be like, man, this guy's a jerk. Why is he asking such questions I
0: know like know. I look back at some of the stuff you asked last time. I'm like, oh, Doug's not my friend. No, I'm kidding. Well, I mean—
1: <laughs> Actually, in all honestly, in um, everything, you know, this is actually a very popular. This is one of our most popular episodes, and people get to find out, you know, what all we've accomplished and where all we plan to go. Um, Good
0: and what people are thinking. All
1: right, Mm -hmm. so
3: fair enough. Um, So yeah, so so you could say this, this
1: this episode is by popular request.
3: Great, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm thrilled people have time to to listen to it. I did listen to. Just in prep for this, I listened to maybe not your last four podcasts, but I went through four podcasts um, okay. leading up to this. So I may have some references to to some of those um, cool. podcasts from before. Yeah, they're they're actually pretty. And I actually I forced myself to listen to the last one that that we did because I don't like. Um, you know, it's kind of like watching game film of yourself. It's kind of yeah. Does anybody yeah. not
2: like hearing their own voice I on know, the Because I'm that
3: person. Yeah. yeah,
1: right here, this one. Yeah.
3: So just to kind of yeah, I'm, same way, same way, Craig. Uh, just to sort of kick things off a little bit. So we've got the NCPA annual meeting coming up. Um, very soon. And Jeff, you uh, Pioneer has been kind enough to support uh, the one of the general sessions and. You, you always, um, speak what you're planning. Are you planning to do that again this year? I mean, I know you're sponsoring it. You planning to do your presentation again this year? Yes.
0: And it's not ready yet, but. So I don't know if
3: anyone's. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's. Can you tell us a little bit about that preparation? Because I don't know if. I'm sure folks watching this podcast have probably seen Jeff. He's a pretty good speaker. Um, but so, and I don't say that, uh, to blow, you know, smoke up your chimney i probably just wouldn't say anything if you weren't any good but what's your
0: what's your prep like
1: can i answer this one
0: sure you can go ahead
1: so jeff's prep work on any of his speeches i've got to experience um he'll read about two or three different books and then he'll get some ideas and some quotes and he'll pull those out and go i like that i'm going to use that And then he starts formulating, this is the story I'm going to use because it'll go perfect with this quote. And then he starts writing it. Um, And he gets his word count because he goes, I know this word count gets me this many minutes. And then he memorizes a paragraph at a time. And once he goes through it perfectly and does not have any changes and it just flows, then he moves on to the next paragraph. And the, the process continues and continues. And then he goes through on a, and this is like Three, typically about three weeks out from being on stage that all of this is starting and taking place. And then the final week he is practicing the speech two to sometimes five a day, five times a day. He'll practice it in the morning and then he will go, I've got it. I just missed a couple of words, but I'm almost there. Um, and then there's times where, you know, we're on the trade show floor and he'll go, he'll go, I'm going to step away and go practice real quick. And then he comes back and he goes, I've got it. I just need two more times, and it yeah. goes. I'm gonna go step away again, and I'm gonna go practice.
0: It's interesting, you know. I I, I listened to like uh, Craig spoke after you know I kind of did the introduction to Craig. He spoke at Connect.
1: So real quick, and how how far off? It was or... close.
0: It probably practiced it more than that. Um, and and there's a lot about, about Craig and his presentation a little bit longer, very relaxed kind of PowerPoint deal, and um, that's that's generally not my. I can do that in like an hour, maybe, but in a, in a short Um, I try to get as much as I can in the time that I've been allotted you know, and try to follow the kind of three points, try to do some stories and kind of stuff like that. So, um, I, so I really prepare, really try to make everything right. Um, too afraid to get up with more relaxed, kind of like, kind of like Craig did. Um, so that's kind of peace. I think this year I'm really going to be focused. I'll give people a teaser, um, People come up to me, uh, one of the things, you know, we're real big fans of CPSN. I, I think if, you know, you, you've got to be doing that. If you're not doing that, what do you think you're going to be, right? What, do you, what are you going to do? And we have a lot of people come up on the trade show floor and, and we'll ask, you know, ask, hey, are you in CPSN? And, and occasionally you'll get people who are like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting out. They haven't done anything. They're not doing anything for me. And, and what I'm going to talk about at NCPA is that's wrong you need to be thinking about what you've done for them, right? We can't make anything happen unless a whole lot of people do it. So, you know, it, it comes a lot, uh, it's kind of a cheesy day when you say it, but, but kind of back to your JFK, you know, ask not what your country's done for you, you know, what you've done for your country. And so, you know, we've got to change a mindset, right? If, if your CPSN chapter in your state's not doing anything, that means they need your help. They need you to be involved. You need to find You need to call them up and say, what can I do? And that's going to be kind of the it's it's going to be kind of a, a participation message with a couple of examples on on why they need to become more active. Maybe talk about what what happened when a bunch of pioneer people called uh, Care Mark at the same time. That kind of
3: deal. yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that um, on this podcast. Um, so just a little uh, teaser for this this podcast. One of the podcasts I listened to, and I had to I have to be honest when I looked at the list of podcasts, I'm like. Which one do I probably need to look at the most or listen to the most but don't really want to? And um, <laughs> it was the one on eCare plans and and Josh did it. Um, uh, it, it. I don't know if it's in the pod in the catalysts. It's in the catalyst family. It may be I know which one you're talking name. about. So and we we, yeah, we kind of
1: did like an internal podcast where Will who is who does our yeah, podcast um, beyond the, Scripts, that be interviewed, the script interviewed yeah. um, Josh Howland okay. about eScripts.
3: Yeah. Back yeah. It was plans. good. It was really good. And I say it was hard, you know, I had when I picked because, you know, I, I love talking about marketing for pharmacies. I love talking about getting paid for services, but the process of, you know, the filling out the e-care plan is just, you know, I've got people on staff. Kurt does it on my staff does a great job of that. Yep. Just I know how important it is. I know how essential it is, but as far as like voluntarily listening to an hour on it, doesn't flip my switch. This was a really good podcast. It you know, people should listen to it. And it ties into something you just said, uh Jeff, as far as um, you know, build it and they will come. He Josh made the point that pharmacists will say, well I'll start I'll start sending e care plans when I start getting paid for it. Yep. And he made a good point. And Mm -hmm. you're never gonna get paid for it. It's never gonna happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So I mean
0: sounds like a little bit of a sermon, but uh, he's right. You know, right. CPSN is a tool. If you're not use the tool to get better, stop dreaming of change and change. You know, that's the that yeah.
1: Yeah. if anybody wants to know specifically which Beyond the Scripts episode that was, that was episode thirty-two.
0: Okay. If anybody Thank- wa-
1: else wants to listen about Josh Howland and Will Tuff talk about e care plans.
3: Yeah. No, it was and they talked about more stuff than that, but but it was um it was like I said, I had to kind of force myself to do it. But once I got started, it was it was uh, an
2: easy listen, an easy, nice. good listen. Um, there's, there's a team there in the, in the world of business that I think we struggle with. Um, and it ties to what you, you asked Jeff on on presentations. Great speakers prepare.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: tons, Right. Uh, when you're going through college, they tell you spend three hours out of class for every hour you're spending in class. When you're playing a sport, you practice six, seven days a week for an hour. Then you go into the world of business or run your own business, and you're literally playing the game the whole time, uh-huh. and you're never practicing.
0: Nice. And, mm-hmm.
2: and I like that. that I really like think that it's a, lot. a problem or a challenge with a lot of small business owners. We spend our, our whole time playing the game and, and not practicing to get better.
0: I'm going to use that in my speech. Mm-hmm. It go. may or may not credit you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably don't deserve it because I probably <laughs> stole it ruthlessly from somebody else that was no, that's good. me. That was good. Okay.
3: Diving in. So, um, Marsha, this one's, uh, for you oh, okay. last, last podcast. Um, we talked about the bromance. Uh, we did talk about bromance, but, um, uh, we, we're not going there right now, okay. but do Thank you. keep that. We're going on the customer support. Okay. So, um, you mentioned on the last call, and we talked a little bit about challenges with hiring people and which is true across the country. Yes. And, you know, Pioneer is experiencing some of that. So as you guys know, I do, I try to do some homework here, go mm-hmm. out to handful of members, ask them their experience. Uh, this time I looked on, you know, some Google reviews and things like that, which Google reviews can be helpful or they can be unhelpful, but, uh, what's the status of customer support? Because I did, I did hear some feedback that, the, it's it's still a little slow um, that the help desk the product's awesome, but some of the help desk support has been spotty. Um, is that right or unfair? What's the status?
1: Um, fair. So, um, you know, we, great resignation affected us as it affected mul- multiple of our customers. Um, and another thing that we learned is that, you know, with, with the great resignation there were several companies who are offering work from home which made hiring in an office much much harder and with our office in shreveport it became dip, more difficult because you ever heard the ter- you know you're familiar with the term of you know hey there's fewer fish in the pond so we've depleted the resources in shreveport and so then we came to dallas when we opened this office and we're getting into and we're in a much more competitive market and then, of course, you add in the pandemic that offered work from home for people who are like, OK, well, I don't want to be here. I'd, I'd rather this job is going to let me work from home for the same money or a little less. And so um, as people are being drawn back into their offices and we're able to we've we've had to kind of get again, we've the pool's gotten shallow. So we've had to go more broad with our search and our job offers. And we have started hot, we've been able, so Red Cell invested a lot of money into us, which was announced at Connect, into helping us grow support and making it back to the wonderful it was. And, um, and so far, I mean, we've gotten our callback, our callback times back down to two minutes. I think there was one day that, yeah, it did get up to 20, but I think there was because something was down.
0: Yeah, I would say we're back. You know, we invested about $2 million in getting that. We had ratios that we mm -hmm. used and uh, we invested about $2 million in to bring those ratios down so that you could handle turnover. And uh, so our our response times are down in the back down to exactly where they should be in the two to three minutes. And a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, some of them are way ahead.
2: And, And that's where that's really the lesson we had to learn, which is in if you can't totally stem the turnover slide, um, and we're a lot better at that, then you've got to then assume uh, increased training time and increased time to excellence. Mm -hmm. And that ends up being more expensive. So it's costing us about 20% more to provide that same level of service that we did. But now we're there again. And, you know, there are two or three things that I think are secret sauce for Pioneer. That's one of them. So we'll we'll over-invest there always, if that's what we need to get those metrics where we need to get them. One of the things coming out of this pandemic is I think most industries are going to be in a state of, for lack of a better word, artificially high turnover rates with employees. And when you're dealing with that, what what we're learning is we need to then make sure we adjust our productivity ratios because you're going to have uh, a steeper learning curve uh, for employees because you've got on average a, a younger employee base, a less mm-hmm. tenured employee base, and it's a longer time to excellence. So you got you're going to have to over hire uh, to to compensate for that and build tools and processes in place. Yep. And so what we've learned is we had to we had to increase by about 20% of our historical uh, ratios to to get back to where
1: mm-hmm.
2: the service was what we're 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 used to delivering what customers are expecting.
1: And something I'm going to point out here real quick, as far as, you know, not just our support, but I mean, Red Cell took several notes on how we manage our support and they were able to um, help improve QS1 support. And that recently came back and showing in the latest direct opinion survey. And so I would say that support, yes, had its struggles during the pandemic and the great resignation, but we've, we've invested millions and we're back. And better than ever, baby.
3: The number of questions that you're getting to the help desk or the type of questions that you're getting to the help desk, have those changed or how have they changed? What kind of questions do you typically get?
2: I think they're, well, the, they're the, typical. The, the number one questions always claims volume. You know, claims yeah. claims get related claims is, is the number one call volume topic. And that that hasn't changed necessarily. But I think you also see, and, and Jeff, please please chime in. You also see that the equal and opposite force within the customer base, right? As customers, are dealing with higher turnover uh, as well. Uh, they're in the same training challenges we're having. So you get more calls coming in um, from folks that aren't quite as experienced mm-hmm. using the system as well. And we've got to, we, you know, that's our responsibility to deal with it. But but you do see, you do see an increase in that for sure as well.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would say it's healthy. And we're really investing even more in training. For the first year ever, we took uh, 10 account managers to connect and had them go through the advanced kind of the black belt classes that are at connect. And they've gone back with recordings of those classes to teach the other account managers. So we're not just trying to solve problems. We're actually trying to help pharmacies find solutions. And, and we're back to being, you know, one of the things we're short staffed that we stopped doing is what we call, um, success calls. That's where we find something the customer is doing wrong. And we call them and say, Hey, we see that you have some, Package size mismatched, or we say uh, you have some um, claims that you reverse that have gone out to the customer, and 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 we help them, and and our success calls are back up because we're able to do the success calls now. So uh, I would say we're much healthier there. Good.
3: So Craig, you'd mentioned um, I,
0: I think on the podcast and maybe in your
3: remarks at at the the Pioneer Conference about the investment that Red Sales putting into to um, into Pioneer. So one of the areas that you also talked about at the Pioneer Conference was um, medical billing. Yeah, You just made an acquisition yep. a couple months ago couple on months medical ago. billing. Tell us more about that. Medical billing is such an important part and a growing, growing important part for independence. How are you making it easy for independence to bill on the medical side?
2: Yeah. So the first thing uh, we uh, purchased TransactRX, um, and TransactRX uh, is is known for providing uh, physician offices uh, access to uh, uh, pharmacy billing uh, for scripts. What a lot of folks didn't realize is uh, they built that platform from the ground up in the cloud, and uh, really got their their start in medical billing for pharmacies. And so they had a lot of that capability, but for business-focused reasons as a small company, they're focusing more on physician practice offices. We particularly liked the scalability and, and configurability of the platform and they because of how they, they architected it. And as a result, believe that we can integrate it more because what, what you've been missing uh, is something that's truly integrated and automated um, within the pharmacy management system. So you'll see in the coming months, some iterations that we're doing within the Pioneer system to not only uh, automate the documentation in the front end, but also to try to close the black hole of reconciliation uh, with a lot of the medical billing um, uh, functionality on the back end. So, you'll see that coming out uh, fairly rapidly uh, over the next 60, 90 days with the first first revs. Um, And then what we'll do is continue to build out the rules engine for the actual medical billing procedures. We'll be the first to say that uh, the iteration one with Transactor X is really vaccine billing. And now we're going to spend the next four months billing out the rest of the ICD codes with it. But it's it's a dramatically more configurable solution and helps us answer the, the, the real big problem we felt, which is it's expensive to get into it, and we're trying to solve that problem, so take away take away some of the upfront investment in workload and time by automating some of that and then truly embedding it into the workflow. Uh, And so we're, we're doing that work right now. And so we're, it's out in, in quite a few pioneer sites, but we'll really start launching that in earnest uh, as, as vaccine season starting to roll out. Jeff, anything you want to, you want to add to
0: that? No, that was, I I think the emphasize there that, that TransactRx had done DME billing for pharmacy And other medical billing for pharmacy in the past. And just based on business decision and what was most profitable, they had focused uh, on uh, vaccinations, uh, especially during the the pandemic. And so those will be services they'll be able to turn back on very rapidly. So it was a really good ability to invest in a company um, that was small enough, you didn't have to pay a whole lot. uh, But they had really good core um, technology to build upon. And and- I mean, I mean our, our
2: theme, whether it be medical billing or pharmacy-based billing, you know, we, we, we re-architected Powerline. line's now uh, up in the cloud. It's brand-new architecture. Our view of the whole the whole uh, industry around the billing side, whether it be medical or pharmacy, is that pharmacists and pharmacies have having to rely on literally code that was written 30 years ago. And as we were looking around the market uh Transact was the one that we thought was uh, the most compelling as it as it comes to an architecture for the future, and so we see those two technologies merging uh, from a, a rules engine standpoint, and then integrating more deeply into pharmacy pharmacy workflow with Pioneer.
0: Well, there was just a timely deal that I wanted to hit, and I think this really applies to to us on he mentioned Powerline and and where you see Doug the United change. I think that yeah. that that. Um, I think the trial's over, right? I think we're waiting to hear what happens. Uh, I think that affects us as a company, Powerline, because I think a lot of people probably don't want their stuff switching through um, uh, their PBM. What? How do you? How do you see that going? Did you follow the trial, or do you? Do you have any? We continue
3: to be uh, vocally opposed to it. We sent another. We did. A, there's an op-ed from our general counsel that was published on Friday in opposition to it, because of the impact on independent pharmacies. Um, yeah, we we are definitely opposed to it. As far as trying to crystal ball it, it's um, it's it's hard to read. I mean, in the past, the FTC has basically approved every merger they've seen. Um, this is a Department of Justice uh, issue, so it's not FTC. Uh, I am hopeful they'll see the light, but I'm not going to bet the farm. So, so is this this was a trial?
0: It. Was this a judge trial? Is that? or is this more like a hearing like a government yeah, the, hearing
3: the, the government sued to block okay. the merger and so it was a judge and so the judge can rule for the government which would be the way we'd want them to in this case or they can rule for united health change to approve to let the merger go forward
0: and so if they rule to let it go forward then it goes forward there's not another step to block it that's going to the last deal That's my understanding. I mean, then it's a business deal for them,
3: the two parties, to to work it out, which it seems like the two parties are going to work it out. So that's my understanding. Is that if the judge says it's okay to go forward, it's okay to go forward.
0: When do you think we'll know? Between now and October. Okay.
3: The guess, another guess, you know, when the judge, when the judge rules,
0: (laughs) when the judge
2: feels like it. Yeah.
3: Well, (laughs) you have a lot
0: of, you you have a lot of history about how those things go. I was just curious. And yeah, your guess is probably better than my guess.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a
3: guess, but, um, yeah, we think it's bad for independent pharmacy for the PBM to have access to all, all of those data. We, we don't think it's, you know, conducive. It's good for patients and healthcare. And, uh, we think a lot of our members feel the same way. And when we get into medical billing, because pharmacists are continuing to grow, I mean, maybe even taking a step back from medical billing, why do we care about medical billing? You know, why is Red Cell Pioneer getting to that? And I want to, that is a question, but I want to just preempt it a bit by saying that pharmacists providing primary care services is continuing to grow. But let me pause and let you guys answer that question of, why do you guys care about medical billing? What, are you seeing a lot of demand from pharmacies, or is this one where you're trying to get in front of it? What's, what's the story behind your interest in medical billing?
2: So from a red Redstone standpoint, if you, if, you, if you take it to the highest level, our, our, our whole mission that we state is to create a, a technolo- technology platform and network that uh, enables the most clinically advanced and financially sustainable pharmacy network in the country. That's, that's our, our mission. P- Pioneer obviously uh, feeds directly into that with saving and revitalizing uh, independent pharmacy. So uh, at its highest level, we formed a view when we created Red Sale that for pharmacies to be successful, um, pharmacists needed to become more primary care uh, venues um, than not. Well, why, why do we think that? Well, because if you look at, uh, your independent pharmacy. If an independent pharmacy isn't diversifying their revenue streams outside of simply filling and billing, you're not going to be an independent pharmacy for too long. And so, uh, from from our vantage point, it's not only an economic. There's an economic element to it, where as we continue to establish pharmacists as those that can provide care, it's good for pharmacy. The second reason is it's good for our communities. Um, you know, they're yep. they're. Stating what we all know, not only do pharmacists provide really good care, we need our country needs them to because there's not enough primary care physicians, even if we said we didn't want pharmacists to do that. So um, I think it's it's from our lens, it's it's the the intersection of uh, economic health for pharmacies and health for the communities is why is why we're doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there certainly is a demand farm and and, yeah. and there's demand you know when you look at our the kind of pharmacies that, that buy Pioneer they're, they're progressive they're trying to grow their pharmacy and they want to bill for more medical services they want to perform more medical services to be more clinical, but you can't do that unless you can bill it. And we think billing was too complicated. Uh, when, when we were talking about red cell buying us, one of our things was we need to buy a medical biller. You know, I said, yeah. Hey, we need to find, you know, my idea was to find someone who was doing billing services for a physician who, you know, there are are companies out there that outsource the physicians outsource their billing. So they really understand it all. Um, you know, uh, we did much better than that because we got somebody with really good technology. Those people wouldn't necessarily have good technology.
2: There, there's also a demand element for it. If, if you look at our installed base pre-COVID, you, you use easy numbers. At that point, roughly 20% of the installed base was capable in doing medical billing procedures. You go to the middle of pandemic, that doubled. You go to now, and it's well over 65 Uh, percent of the, the customer base that's capable of doing it. Not happy with what the solutions are, but they're, they're doing it. And those that came online, just, just through the pandemic, you can see through the claims analysis that they're continuing on, um, that, that was a good thing for yep. um, clinical practice of pharmacy, so to speak, and that they continued on doing procedures other than just COVID vaccines now that the, the infrastructure is in place.
0: Yeah. How often does a CPSN talk to some particular payer and they decide, hey, yeah, we should do this thing and this would improve blank. And then it's like, oh, but how are we going to bill it? How are we going to pay mm-hmm. for it? Oh, well, this over here is too hard let's do this thing out of bandwidth over here and and we'll just check these boxes. And so we got to have that base platform where once they decide, Hey, they want to do something, it needs to be easy. Oh yeah, no problem. We, we got the easy button to how you get paid, how we, how we transfer the money.
3: Is there any, so someone listening to this saying, Hey, I've been hearing about different forms of medical billing for all of my pharmacy career. Let's just say it's a pharmacist listening to this, and he or she says, yeah, I've been listening to this all my, my career, but where are the opportunities? You know, so, you know, I've been out of school for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Where are the opportunities? I mean, I know how I would answer that, but I'm interested in how you guys would answer that.
0: Well, hopefully we'd answer it the same way you do <laughs> go state, Probably by st- so. state to state. You're getting more and more opportunities all the time. Prescriptive authority for, uh, flu, the diagnosis and, and, and do flu. You, you have, um, you know, uh, people who are taking what they did with, um, with COVID vaccination and saying, crap, we should be doing all the vaccines. Can't believe we weren't doing this already and expanding that most of those pay better, on the medical billing side because they they pay you for your service in addition to get it in, get inventive you know
1: like um Tim Mitchell who did a vaccine clinic in the parking lot of his church and put it out on social media and everybody shared it and they did several hundred vaccines um get it get creative don't ask who's going to help me do this
2: yeah Craig, uh, yeah i would, I would say va- vac- vaccines in t- we, we we just kicked off a uh, a shingles uh, program.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we did a did a pilot of it, and then are in, in full full rollout of it now. And medical billing is an important piece. You know the e care plans that you were talking about. yeah, yeah and I understand. Uh, you know, and not spend the hour studying it. But those that were using e care plans effectively during the pilot were delivering 50% more shingle vaccines than they were a year ago. The control group that wasn't was delivering 20% less than they were a year ago. You know, 45,000 patients uh, that we, we piloted. And mm-hmm. most of that was driven by the efficiency with which we, we were building the tools and triggers into the e-care plan in, in Jeff's word, to make, make it the easy button. And that easy button translates into a heck of a lot more revenue. Uh, although I also can see one of the things we need to start putting a, a light on and can help with with medical billing is the, the reimbursement uh, distribution for all the vaccines is fairly substantial, not only within a state, but within a pharmacy. And some of that's driven by the rules engines of medical billing, making sure you get the documentation right. Some of it's just driven by the plans, and we need to start shining a light on, yeah. on, on that for the for the customers as well. And, and yeah, I, no, I think that'd be good information to
3: have.
0: Go ahead. And, Jeff. and I know, Doug, you're looking puzzled. How did? Creating a care plan helped them become more efficient. How did documentation help them be more efficient? And, and that's our implementation of care plans yeah. that includes actions, could include steps in the plan that can trigger okay. things at the point of sale. Uh, so, specifically, this would trigger that care plan had an action step that would trigger a printout and then pr- trigger a pop-up at the point-of-sale where the point-of-sale clerk has to say, hey, pharmacists come over, yeah, they came over, or no, we refuse to, or or no. And so it's the implementation of how we integrate in the documentation of the care plan in the pharmacy workflow that drove up that productivity. So, yeah. so don't be thinking, guys out there, just anybody goes and gets software that has a care plan on it, the documentation Correct. is going to make them more efficient. It's actually how you implement that. You, exactly. you also
2: have to have the intelligence built into the rules engine for making sure we're being as efficient as possible on teeing up the patients that sh- it, you should be spending pharmacy time with doing that and we'll, we'll roll that out for for all the vaccines and we'll roll that out for uh, several other um, medical billing opportunities but um, I think that's where it starts if I were starting I'd start with vaccines.
3: Yeah one thing on that e-care plan um, podcast that Josh did, one of the things that I thought re- resonated with me uh, was, so every pharmacist knows how to do soap notes. If you know how to do soap notes, don't think, of, don't think of the e-care plan today. Think of it as a running biography of the patient, not like that acute moment in time when in pharmacy school we had to do a soap note. Think about it as an acute moment in time and your pharmacy management system is keeping those notes for you. Yep. So it's that that was that resonated with me.
1: Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy podcast.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode,
3: please like, subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcast.
0: Give us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.